Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free Posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. And I realized that while I was doing my work for 30 years, what gave me joy is not necessarily the obvious thing. It wasn't my job. It wasn't my position. It wasn't my title. At the end of the day, what made me feel good is when I felt like I had a positive impact on someone, on the employees, on a colleague. And what the the important thing is, photography gave me that same feeling. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is Bassam Sabag, and his brand is called Curious Photo and Curious Boudoir, and that's actually Curious with a K. So Bassam was a top executive in the aerospace industry for many, many years, and when he was handed the opportunity to retire a little early, he totally jumped at it. So Bassam is pretty much living the dream right now in retirement, but he's not actually retired because he's used this time and this chance to build his photography business, and he's built it up to having a $2,000 average sale in his home studio. So Bassam shares with us exactly how his photography journey started, which may or may not include assisting a photographer on a private jet back when he was still working in aerospace. And he also shares with us how meeting Sue in person was really a pivotal moment for him. I really enjoyed chatting with Bassam, and I just know you're going to love listening to his story. Okay, let's get started. Hi, Bassam. How are you today? Hello, Nikki. Very well. Thank you. Now, where are you at right now? Where are you, you calling in from? I'm calling in from Montreal, Canada. Montreal, very cool. From my home. Yeah, born and raised there? Not really, no. I was actually born in Lebanon, of all places, and but I've lived here most of my life. Wow, very cool. Over close to 50 years, and I actually lived in Wichita, Kansas for about five years. Oh, Wichita. I've never been there. Very cool. Well, really excited to have you on the show today. I think we have so much great stuff to talk about, but before we get into photography and your business. I'm wondering if you will just share with us a little bit about what you did before photography and kind of how you fell into this whole world of of photos. Sure. So let me start by saying that it's really in 2013 that I started getting into photography at the time as a hobby and eventually turned into a business in 2017. So really three years in the business and in there, there's a one year of interruption that I'll talk about a little bit later. But I would like to go back at a very young age, around the age of five to 10. My father was a teacher in a private school, and he was actually in charge of a darkroom for the photography club. So I would spend a lot of time with my father in the darkroom as he was doing whatever he was doing. So Very cool. Yeah, so it's kind of a, a nice background there, but it didn't really mean much in the grand scheme of things other than around the age of 18, right after high school, I took a course photography course. I set up a darkroom in my bathroom and I developed black and white photos for about a year or a year and a half. But nothing came of that. In the next 30 or 32 years, I did absolutely nothing with photography. (laughs) Sounds like me. (laughs) Exactly. So I ended up doing an engineering degree. I got an MBA and I started my career in business. And most of my career was spent in an aerospace company working on high-end luxury business jets here in Montreal. Aerospace. Wow, that's really cool. And typical, I was always in management. I never actually worked as an engineer. So I I grew in the the company and, and, you know, to eventually become vice president and essentially an executive at a relatively high level in the company. So I was managing organizations of 3,000 to 4,000 people, managing multi-billion dollar projects. And and that's essentially my career. Holy cow. Yeah. and, And to be honest with you, it was a great career. I have nothing to complain about. I loved my job for many, many years. Had a, had a good income and had lots of pleasure doing it. 
And and throughout of that, I had no no real hobbies as such, no pastimes, no passions other than my family and my work. I mean, I had a family, had two kids, been married for 32 years now. So really just going along nicely with nothing to worry about. But then I left the company in 2015. There was a mutual agreement. I left the company. And at the time, I had already been dabbling with photography. And I didn't really leave for photography. But photography kind of woke me up that there may be something else out there that you can get pleasure from. Mm -hmm. So uh, the previous few years were a bit tough in the company. So I made a decision to leave. I actually took my retirement from the company. And decided that I'm going to do two different things going forward in my, what I call, semi-retirement. I'm going to have two separate businesses. One of them is photography, and the other one would be business consulting to take advantage of all my experience and, and do something with that. So that's exactly what I've been doing since 2015. I spend maybe about a third of my time in business consulting, about half my time in photography, and the rest is really just enjoying family and semi-retirement. That sounds like an amazing retirement. It actually is. When you can plan it and actually work it out the way you planned it, it's very satisfying, yes. Yeah. So you said you started dabbling in photography when you were still working for the aerospace company. So what do you mean by that? Like, what were you doing? Well, so what happened is I was Christmas break, 2012, 2013. During the Christmas holiday, I was chatting with a colleague from work and he was an amateur photographer. And he told me that he set up a website to show off his pictures and we started looking at them. And basically through that conversation, I decided to go out and buy a camera. Uh, and I bought my first camera, my, my first camera in, in <laughs> since way back then. And I used to travel quite a bit for work all over the world, uh, specific a lot in Europe. And I would take my camera with me and I was taking landscape photos. And I would get up at 4.30, 5.30 in the morning before work and look for the sun and go around and take pictures in whatever city I was in. And I would do the same thing in the evenings and I would do that on the weekends. So I spent about six months doing that. And while I was working full time, mm -hmm. and what happened was uh, being in, I was in charge of a, of, a, of a, basically a plant where we assemble business jets. And a good friend of mine, an artist told me that she would like to offer a friend a photo shoot and she'd like to do the photo shoot inside a business jet, private jet. She hired a photographer and would like me to give her access to the location. So I did. We went on the, on the plane. No way. And this photographer that she hired ended up using me as his assistant. I was like a kid in a candy store uh, <laughs> watching what exactly. What a cool shoot. I'm like, Basam, I kind of need a jet that I want to do a photo shoot with. Can you, can you hook me up? Like, that's just really yeah. cool. I mean, it's not every day that, you know. Yeah. I said, I, I know some people, let me see. That is so cool. Anyway, so, so that's what happened. But what was interesting, in, uh, within a week after I was chatting with this photographer that I met there, he had a studio downtown, in downtown Montreal, and he was doing fashion and, and some catalog work, basically. And within a week, I made a decision to rent his studio for, I remember, $400 a month, and, and use it as many times as I wish over the next year. Cool. So I made a huge commitment. And at the same time, I went out and I bought better equipment, all my studio equipment. And, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to afford to go out and buy equipment, given that I was working full time. And uh, I ended up doing over 150 photo shoots in about a two to three year period in that studio. And I ended up buying the studio from him and, and basically taking over all the equipment that he had. Oh, you did? Yeah. That's kind of a cool thing to slide into. It is. And I ended up renting it out to other photographers because it was quite expensive. I think it was a $2,000 rent. So I would rent it out to three or four others that would use it as they wish also mm -hmm. to cover the expenses. Okay. So that's how that started. But then uh, if I go on, uh, I met Pratik Naik, who you know very well. Mm -hmm. And it was the same photographer that I, that I shared the studio with had mentioned his name. He, I was looking for somebody to retouch a photo for a, a magazine cover. Uh, no famous magazine, just somebody I know that wanted to put a picture, my picture on their, on their magazine. So I decided to try. I spoke with Pratik. He retouched a picture for me. And a few months later, Pratik and Bella, his wife today, were putting on their first retouching retreat. They've had a few retreats since where they go out with a few photographers or retouchers and spend a weekend somewhere. And we went to San Diego and I reached out to him and he, he accepted that I joined them. And we spent four days with Pratik and Bella taking pictures, retouching, learning. Amazing experience. Yeah, sounds like it. 
Real quickly, for people who don't know Pratik, I mean, he's probably the best retoucher I've ever watched Absolutely. as far as teaching how to do it. I mean, he is like, he is, has mastered retouching and editing. And we actually have him, there's a free course on Subrice Education that you can watch. And then he has a much more detailed course with just all the different segments of anything you could possibly need for retouching. And that's in our Portrait Master store. But yeah, he's just a stand-up guy. He knows his stuff. So yeah. And he is probably one of the most generous people I know in the industry. He just mm -hmm. keeps on giving. Mm -hmm. And I've purchased every single, anything that Pratik puts out, I purchase because I know it's quality and it's useful. Right, right. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Sorry, just a little side note. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's fine. That's fine. So it, it was in 2016, summer 2016, and a photo expo 2016 in New York was happening. And Pratik reached out to the people that were with him in, in San Diego and said, hey, who's going to photo expo? I have some tickets if you'd like to come. So I decided to go and I asked my wife, Patricia, if she'd like to come with me. And we went and we spent the week in New York and hung around at photo expo. Nice. And we, my wife and I sat in, a, in, you know, there was all kinds of conferences all day long, and we were watching somebody called Sue Bryce putting on a conference about how to pose people. She had a model there, and she's, you know, going through her thing of showing flow posing. And we loved it. Patricia and I loved it. And I snapped, this is an interesting story of how I met Sue. I snapped an, an iPhone picture of her on the stage, mm -hmm. and I put it out on my Instagram right away. And within a couple of hours, she picked up that photo or somebody picked up that photo and she made it her profile picture on Facebook. Nice. That's awesome. I know exactly what photo you're talking about. I was there at that conference with her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a, yes. it a great photo. So, you know, nothing special about that in terms of what happened. But after that, uh, being, you know, with Pratik, Pratik had access to all the after show parties with all the industry people. And he invited us to join him at all. Every night we had a party to go to that was full of industry people. So side note, I met a whole bunch of people there. But on one of those, during one of those evenings, Sue Bryce was there and she, you know, we bumped into her and we started talking. And I introduced myself and she says, don't worry, I know who you are and you're one lucky guy because that picture will be up on my profile for at least a month or three months. I can't remember <laughs> what she said at the time. So we spent about five minutes talking and, and you know, for those people that know Sue, she really makes you feel like you're the only person in the room when you're with mm -hmm. her. She had such mm -hmm. a big impact on me. She had a huge impact on my wife. And all that to say is that we left the show and, and one of the side benefits of being there was it was the perfect instigator for my wife to get really engaged in what I do as a photographer. Mm -hmm. And that, that ended up helping me quite a bit going forward. There is something really cool about when your spouse or partner can experience just the whole community that we have. I mean, there, there is, you know, just to see the excitement and it really is such a cool community. And when your spouse or partner gets to experience it, it's like they get it, you know. Exactly. And specifically meeting Sue Bryce and having the same connection with her mm -hmm. that I had, because it eventually turned out to be a huge influence on what I do with photography, right? So uh, right. because when, as soon as we got back, I joined Sue Bryce Education, and I basically absorbed everything for the next two to three months. And I'm, I'm the type of guy that just, you know, absorbs information and, and can easily integrate it into whatever I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So the whole portfolio thing, now I was lucky, I was lucky I had a portfolio. Right. As I said, I had a bunch of photo shoots in the background and I had practiced my lighting and so it wasn't about the technical stuff as much as about the soft stuff and the business side of it mm -hmm. so portfolio website packages pricing I did it all put it all together and went off and and I changed my you know I was like everybody else I was starting to charge here and there people would approach me and say what do you charge and like most people I would say something like 300 or 500 dollars for a photo shoot and you get eight to 12 pictures or, or whatever, however I felt that day. But I took it seriously. I, I put everything Sue said in practice. And uh, my next seven photo shoots, I remember the, the, the first seven sh uh, shoots I did with the new business model, my average was $2,000. So it was just proof that Whoa. it works. Yeah. I'm, so, okay. So you jumped from, you said you were charging right around three to $500 for a shoot. Exactly. And you had been doing that for a while. Well, I, I had been doing a lot of what I call portfolio building, you know, doing exchange with models and makeup yeah. artists. But I had I had done multiple shoots at that price, yes. Don't forget at the time I was working full time also. Correct. Okay. So when you met Sue though, you were already done with your job or you were still working? I had left a few months earlier. That's right. Yeah. Isn't that crazy how timing works out like that? 
Yeah, and you want to hear about timing. Right after I was ready with my website and my business model and my pricing, a friend of mine was getting into the business of putting on conferences, conferences on leadership, on conscious leaderships and other subjects. And he was doing, looking to do his first conference and, and looking for speakers. And I ended up being a speaker at the conference where I talked about my transition from a corporate executive to a photographer. So I spent 45 minutes on stage in front of 150 people talking about my photography. And that's another, you know, being lucky with timing because that conference gave me a whole bunch of leads. I ended up doing a few photo shoots uh, directly related to those leads and built my network quite nicely. Nice. So again, perfect timing on that and, and the impact of actually speaking in public and putting yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You never know. You never know what can happen when you do put yourself out there. And, you know, little did you know that doing that, that speaking thing would, would get you those clients. Yeah, that's very exactly. cool. Exactly, exactly. Very cool. Okay, so your average jumps up to $2,100. Now, can you give us some specifics? Like you said you kind of put into practice of what, you know, Sue's business model is. What are some of the things that you changed to get all of a sudden, you know, this $2,100 average? Well, it, it's not one thing. I, I think what's important is, is to understand the, the, the business model itself and that it all fits together. It's not one thing or the other. You have to do some fundamentals the right way. Mm-hmm. You can change certain things, you can skip certain things, but there are fundamentals that you can't skip. I focused on those and I had to believe in my pricing right away. I didn't struggle with saying, well, who am I to charge $2,000? I said, that's what it is because that, mm-hmm. that I'm worth it and that's what my pictures are worth. But what I focused on is finding the right client and having the right conversation at the first call that we have together, the first meeting together to figure out whether they are my type of client or not. I focused on being transparent up front, making it simple for them, making sure they're aware of the pricing, Mm -hmm. maybe not all the details, but at least aware of what kind of money they're going to spend and just feeling them out. And most of the shoots after that were really word of mouth. uh, And a couple of them were just from Facebook or Instagram based on the results of those original photo shoots. Yeah, very cool. But I did set up the whole process. I did make a decision to go, you know, do a a full printed reveal. I set up a wall in my house, Mm -hmm. a reveal wall in my house. I bought all the products. I I decided which box I'm gonna use. I do 11, 11 by 14 mats with seven by 10 prints. So I set all that up and I applied it immediately, right? As if I've been in business for many years doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So you just took ownership of it and you were confident about it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I sweat like crazy every time, but I I was (laughs) overall confident. Same, but some I still do. I still tune to this day. Yeah, sometimes I'll hear photographers say, well, you know, I'm changing my pricing and I have these new products and, and what if clients don't like these boxes and what if they tell me I'm too expensive? And it's kind of, it's one of those things where if you believe in what you sell and you tell them about it, you know, I've never had a client say to me, cause I, I actually downsized from 11 by 14 boxes to the eight by 10. And I remember when I made that switch and I had posted about it and some, some people were like, but, but what, are, you know, what if they're, they're asking where are the 11 by 14 boxes and what is the change? No one said a word. It just wasn't a problem. You know, I switched to the smaller boxes because those are the ones that I liked. And this is what I offer now. And it was fine. And so I'm curious, how did you handle that? So, so you went from, you know, to three to $500 photo shoots with not having these products to, you know, your brand new pricing. Did anyone give you pushback on that? Or what did you do for all of that? Actually, I had pretty much the same experience as you. I have never had a client pushback on what I do. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it, it's a combination of how I present it and, and in general, you know, the finding the right clients or at least not going too much into the process with a client where they're, you know, you're not sure that they can appreciate the value of what you're doing. But I try to make things simple. You know, this whole, you know, is it a box? Is it a smaller box? Is my, yeah. sometimes we get caught up with the cost of goods sold. And I totally appreciate the importance of making money and making sure that your costs are under control. But we can't get caught up with that because it, if it's complicated for you, it's complicated for the client. Mm-hmm. So I approach every client essentially the same way. I say I'm different than most photographers. I don't do business the same way. I offer a luxury, modern photo shoot experience that'll change the way you see yourself. Right? That's, that's my first approach. Mm-hmm. When I talk about my products, 
I say the value is in my photo. I sell by the photo. You're welcome to buy whatever number of photos. The packaging is included and it doesn't matter what it is, right? So if my package is $2,400 for 20 pictures, whether it's in a luxury box, whether it's in an album, whether it comes with a ribbon or not, I mean, the package doesn't matter. Right? Mm-hmm. I sell mm-hmm. by the picture. And that makes it simple. Mm-hmm. So they can they only worry about how many pictures am I going to get. I did get into boudoir with that photography because I focus on four things. But when I got more seriously into boudoir, I had to think about offering albums instead of boxes. Mm-hmm. I was in that process of, you know, I, I did some sample albums and I, I was in the process of trying it out. And then this whole COVID-19 thing happened. So it's kind of on hold for now. Right, uh, right. But that's about the only time where I'm I'm re-looking at my product offering as such. Mm-hmm. I love what you said about just keeping it simple. Because a confused mind says no. Exactly. And if you are offering a million different options and making it confusing, and I love the simplicity of you're, you're buying the photos. And I get this many photos, I can get this many photos, or I can get this many photos. So do you have three different packages, like the small, medium, large? I do. I made it very simple. I went with Sue's, you know, you know what, what she teaches in her, in her 12 week and her pricing. So I have three mm-hmm. packages. I do 10, 15 and 20. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. It's as yeah. simple as that. That's yeah. great. If anyone's wondering what the 12 week is, it's we have a 12 week startup on the Super Rights Education website. And it takes you through week by week, all of the pieces that you need to really have a successful business. So that's if we refer to the 12 week, that's what that is. Yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about how you are networking and marketing and where are your clients coming from? You know, as I said up front, what's different about my business, at least from most people, and I'm sure there's many people like me also, it is a part-time business. Mm-hmm. I am. It's not that I'm working full-time and then I have this as a side job. I have two part-time jobs, one of them being photography and one being consulting. Mm-hmm. So they're intermingled together because they both don't have set schedules. Mm-hmm. Right. So for most of my work has been through word of mouth and through Instagram and Facebook, mainly Instagram, less Facebook than Instagram. Hmm, interesting. And the rest has really been word of mouth. And it has been enough for the time that I've been putting into it and the time I want to put into it, given my consulting mandate to schedule. Right. So, so you know, in terms of volume in the last three years, or two of the three, because there was a one year of interruption that I'll talk about very soon. But in those two to three years, I was averaging maybe one, one and a half shoots a month. Okay. But as we led up to the last, you know, we got into this pandemic, my last few months and what I was booked in the next couple of months was more like three to four shoots a month. So as I was getting it up there in terms of volume. Mm-hmm. And obviously now everything's on hold. Mm-hmm. But I talk about the interruption. So I started in 2017, really, with Sue Bryce's model. But 2018 was a difficult year for me because I had a battle with cancer. And I made a mm-hmm. conscious choice to, to basically stop everything for about you know six months. And it ended up being nine to 12 months that I did essentially nothing with, with either of the businesses. Mm-hmm. And luckily, it was a there's no such thing as an easy cancer, but it was a known cancer that was treatable and curable, and, and hopefully it's all behind me oh, now. that's so good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of put an interruption, and I had to kind of restart and reboot. And again, speaking of timing, when I came back in 2019, I watched Portrait Masters 2018, you know, on Sue Bryce Education, you know, the, the, the taped uh, vi- videos of mm-hmm. the event. And I watched Lola Milani for the first time, and I was totally inspired. Mm-hmm. I had not done any maternity shoots, but my style of photography and, and what I like to do, I really connected with what she does. Mm-hmm. And I made that part of my reboot or my restart in photography. So uh, immediately within a week or so, I went out and I put out a model call. Didn't really call it a model call, but went out, looked for five people that are willing to participate in this creative project that I have. And ended up getting five people within 24 hours off of Facebook through friends or, or, or otherwise. And I did five photo shoots over the next few weeks. I built a portfolio, treated them like a client and, you know, gave them, I think, five photos uh, included in, in, the, in the offer. And, and they ended up, you know, some of them ended up buying more photos. Actually, two of them bought more, three of them didn't. At the end of the day, it's an investment in a, in a portfolio. I had a what I believe is a good portfolio to start. And I, I ended up doing multiple photo shoots after that 
you know, because of branching out into maternity. Mm-hmm. That's so wonderful. And Lola, Lola is incredible. She's such an amazing maternity photographer. And I love what you did. And I love, I love your process. It's like, okay, wow, I'm inspired. And I want to, I want to look into this whole maternity shoot thing. You did a model call, you set up some shoots that gave, you know, obviously you gave them some of the photos, but you also set yourself up to make some sales out of it. You built a portfolio in that way and you went for it. And sometimes it's that simple. It's a mindset and it's tough for people to get into that mindset, you know, and I found over, over the time when and I get stuck like everybody else, I get uninspired, I, you know, where it's a slow period, mm-hmm. but I find the best way to get out of those periods is take one step in the right direction. You, mm-hmm. you don't worry about the next step. It's, it's as soon as you do something, it gives you that momentum to keep going. You know, I've been, I've been wanting to redo my website for at least a year and a half, if not two. And once you get that one step going, it's amazing how it just becomes a, a snowball effect. And mm-hmm. I ended up redoing my website as soon as I did the maternity portfolio. My original website was a boudoir website. And I found that I had nowhere to send clients that are not boudoir clients. I had mm-hmm. another portfolio website that I put together many years ago, but it, it's not a selling website. It, it doesn't describe the business model. The business model or the selling website was my boudoir website. Mm-hmm. And I had nowhere to send people to look at stuff, basically, and, and learn about the process. So I ended up combining them. And now I have a website where I have maternity. I do glamour, uh, beauty and glamour, which is contemporary portraits. I mm-hmm. do boudoir and I do personal branding. So mm-hmm. those four are combined on one website under the name Curious Photography. Yeah. You know, you said a couple important things in there. And one thing that I think is, is important to talk a little bit more about is I think, like you said, sometimes it means just taking the first step and then taking another step. When we look at the whole picture of everything we need to do, sometimes it can be incredibly overwhelming and then it paralyzes people. It's like, instead of looking at at it as like this whole, oh my God, I have so much to do. It's taking it step by step by step and just bite-sized chunks as you go on and I mean, there's no other way to do it. <laughs> it's like you just have to look at it, you know. It's a never-ending process. So mm-hmm. if, if you, you know, if you do get overwhelmed, it's already a tough start. But mm-hmm. even if you don't get overwhelmed, it's never-ending. So, you know, my, <laughs> what, what I do usually, <laughs> what I do usually is it's impossible to do 100% of everything, right? Mm-hmm. So what I try to do is I figure out, you know, I talk about the fundamentals a lot. For the five or six fundamental things you have to do, right? Can you at least mature them to a certain point, right? Put 30% of those five things in place as opposed to 100% of one of them. Because mm-hmm. it won't work. It will not work properly if you don't have the fundamentals. It fits together. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know how, you, how you talk to your customer up front, you know, relates directly to how you package and price your products. And, and if you don't do both at a level of maturity, whether it's 20, 20 30, 50%, it's hard to make it all work together. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. You know, Sue talks often about being a hack. <laughs> yes. Like she hacked her retouching. She hacked her website. You know, her logo is literally just a font with her name, you know. And I think sometimes some people have the, the sort of perception that everything has to be perfect. And trust me, I know you know this. Nothing has to be perfect. I mean, what is it? What's the saying? Done is better than perfect. Did I get that right? Down is better exactly. than perfect. Something like that. Yes. Yes. I wouldn't have a business if I had focused on making things perfect or even half perfect. I mean, I'm also a hack, so. <laughs> yeah. And we all have our, even if we can navigate through it all, we all have our, what I call our Achilles heel. Like I'm still a perfectionist and I still want to be perfect when it comes to retouching. It's something right. that's my Achilles heel. And right. I just cannot seem to be able to get rid of that need to make sure my retouching is is what I think is perfect. Mm-hmm. For sure, for so sure. So that can hold me back. Obviously, that can hold, is holding me back. If I want to bring my uh, my volume up to, th- you know, something respectable or something, you know, m- more than two or three or four shoots uh, a month, you know, when you take two or three days to retouch photos, it's just, it doesn't make sense. Right, right. Uh, it makes absolutely no sense. And yeah, I've tried no. offloading, mm-hmm. I've tried offloading my retouching. And it, again, I just have not been able to find that fit where good enough is good enough, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's important to look at it from a client perspective too, because client, and when I say, you know, I'm a hack and whatever, clients would have no idea. They have no idea what happens behind the scenes. They have no idea that it's not perfect. And I've seen people post photos in our Super Ice Facebook group, our members' Facebook group, and they're like, 
oh, but it's not tack sharp. And oh, I cut the fingers off. And I'm like, do you know how many fingers I have cut off in my lifetime? (laughs) Do you know how many not tack sharp photos I've delivered? Do you think anyone cared? I mean, they don't see, I mean, of course you don't want to deliver something that's completely out of focus. Like that's not what I mean. But when we look at those perfection, the clients don't care. They don't notice those things. They don't. And how many times have you worked, uh, maybe not hours, but hours on a photo that is your favorite photo and you thought it was perfect in every way and you put it up on the reveal wall and the client looks at it and you know it's the first one they eliminate because they right. don't like the whatever part right. of you know their expression or, or how their hair was or yep yep totally exactly and and there's no way for me to do that and you know one way that i find helps me with that as i said my wife is engaged in what i do and especially the maternity and the boudoir you know being a male photographer she really helps me out because i don't have to worry about you know handling or or working with the client directly mm-hmm. so she does a great job of you know we do lola milani style shoots so there's a lot of fabrics and a lot of you know you, you build them onto the client. So my wife helps me with that. All that to say is that she is now helping me with culling the photos. So when I'm not sure about an expression, getting her opinion on, well, which one do you think she looks better and which expression is better? Mm-hmm. There's an advantage of my wife having lived during the photo shoot, listened to them, experienced it with them. And then she say, well, knowing her, she probably prefers that picture over that picture. So that helps. Yeah. That's beneficial. But then mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes we're both wrong, right? Yeah, I know. We never know. We never know how it's going to go. You know, speaking of, of reveals, take us through how you do your printed reveals. Sure. Well, first of all, I invite them back two to three weeks later. I say two to three weeks. It usually takes a little bit less. Uh, when I do shoot, by the way, if I'm shooting, one thing I didn't mention is I'm no longer in that studio downtown because in 2018, as I was going through my cancer journey, we also decided to build a house and I want because I wanted to build a studio in my house. So I have a huge garage that I converted into a professional studio. Okay, cool. And, and then the house is also used for, for photo shoots, for, you know, for lifestyle type personal branding shoots and also for boudoir in a couple of the bedrooms that we have in other areas. So I am working out of my house and during the shoot, I do shoot tethered and I do show the customer the pictures as we go along. And and there's a disadvantage to that of sometimes it's distracting, but there's also the advantage that I really get to feel what they like and what they don't like, which helps Mm -hmm. my printed reveal be more effective. Mm -hmm. So two to three weeks later, they come back. By that time, I would have retouched 20, 20, 25, 30, 35 photos, depending on the photo shoot. And I print them, I package them, put them on the wall. They come in. I always do a behind the scene video where I take, you know, video clips of the hair and makeup. You know, we do mm-hmm. full hair makeup, uh, video clips of, of the shoot itself. And, and my wife is getting pretty good at doing that behind me, you know, behind, as I'm shooting. And I put together a video clip with the 20 or 25 or 30 pictures that I retouched in that video clip. So when they come in, they sit on the sofa, they watch a big large screen TV where I put the video clip. It's usually about two, two and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. And they basically feel the, see the experience that they went through, but at the same time get a glimpse of the photos from the shoot. And then they go downstairs in my, in my basement. I set up a little client area with the wall and, and we just go through the wall where they sometimes spend half an hour, sometimes an hour just trying to decide what they like, what they want to take. And they end up taking it on the spot because I mainly do a revealed folio box and mm-hmm. they leave with the product on the spot. In the meantime, I, whatever they buy, I go and I basically put the digital equivalent digital files on a USB that's delivered with the box and they leave with the whole package. Very cool. Yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty similar to um, how a lot of people do the printed reveals. And it, it seems to work well for a lot of people. It, I did them for a long time. I still do. I don't do as many like contemporary portrait shoots. I do so much personal branding now, which don't require the prints. But it really is a cool experience to go through it. It is. And even for my personal branding clients, I still do a, a printed reveal. There's a few exceptions where I know in advance it's just going to be, if it's just a corporate client that's looking for multiple photos, I mean, I don't do a printed reveal, but there's individuals mm-hmm. that are starting a business or want a you know, variety of personal branding photos. I do the reveal for that also. Mm-hmm. And do you do hair and makeup and have a session fee? Yes, I do. So I, I charge $295 for the session fee, and that includes the, the session, the shoot, and the and the hair and makeup. I don't play games with, you know, if you don't want makeup, it's less, or if it's just, that's mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. It's included. 
And sometimes I give it away. I've, I've tried vouchers in the past, you know, not with a lot of success, but I give it away when I feel it's the right thing to do to get the client in the door. Right, right. right. But it doesn't happen often. So yeah, $295. And then uh, my packages are priced, uh, as, I, as I mentioned to you, I've never changed my prices. It's $150 a picture. And my package is at $1,250, $1,800, dollars Mm-hmm. And by the way, we talked about the video. I don't sell the video, the behind the scenes video. I've never sold it, actually. I give it away if they go to my middle package. Because again, okay. my, goal, my yep. goal is to sell my middle package. My middle package is you know, $1,800 plus the session fee. That's close to $2,100. So that's my goal. So I give it away with that. So I, I use it as an incentive to go to, this, to the middle package. Yeah. And it works. It works most of the time. I do the same. I do the same. It is. It's a nice it's a nice way to plump up the package. And and the video's done anyway, so it's not like it's extra work for us to add that in. It, it it's just a nice way to say, okay, well, if I get these 10 photos and I don't get the video, but if I go up to the 15 photos or the 20 photos, oh yeah, I get this, this, this. You know what else I add in that doesn't cost me any money and just takes such little time is I convert for my biggest package. Not only do they get the slideshow or the little video, but they also get the 20 photos that they choose. So I take the color and I convert them to black and white. So they also get the black and white digitals. And then, because sometimes they'll say like, oh, I love the color and the black and white. And I'm like, oh, well, if you get the biggest package, you also get the black and white oh, with I, the color. I see. You, see. you use that as an incentive. See, I do black and white with the ones that would actually look good in black and white. Mm-hmm. And then the reveal is a mixed based on what I think. But when they do take that picture, I give them both versions, but I I don't use it as an incentive. That's an interesting thing to do. Yeah, I do the same. I usually have three to five that I that I show in black and white that I think would look really good, just like with what you said. But when it comes to picking their photos, they have to pick either color or black and white. They don't get both. Exactly. So with this upsell, they get 40 photos, you know, obviously they're duplicates, but the color and black and white. It's just a nice way to plump up the package even more the top package and it literally takes me 10 minutes to do exactly and you know i've got my black and white presets that i have you know and so it's just it's just a nice way and the point is like you said when you can plump up the package to get them to that goal of that middle package any way that you can do that without giving away the farm is exactly you know it, it works yeah i do one thing that other people other photographers may say you're giving away too much is in my video let's say i retouched 30 pictures mm-hmm. i put those 30 pictures in the video and they end up buying 15 so i give them the video one of the things i tell them is the advantage of taking the video even though you only took 15 pictures is the video has all 30 pictures in it i don't i don't go back ah. and take out the 30 pictures oh see so you're right, nicer so. than me I, t- I go back and take them so out. So theoretically, <laughs> they, can, they can take a screenshot of those and use them. Right. But you know what? This is, comes back to getting lost in the details. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. customer is paying you what you're looking for to get paid. Right. You know, move on with life. Give right. them, make them happy. Move on with life. It's not going to make a huge difference for you whether they, they screenshot an extra photo or yeah, not. Yeah, good point. Very good point. And, and Sue and Sue really drills that point in our head. And, and we, you know, it, it's, it's one of the important things for me to, to listen to. Yep. It's one of those things too, like, should I put my watermark on the prints? And I'm like, I don't, because if I'm going to spend $2,000 with someone, I don't want the photographer's name all over it. Sure, I'm going to credit them when I post their photos, because that's the right thing to do. And that's what I would do and that sort of thing. Or, you know, even have your logo on the box on the inside or something like that. But to have your watermark all over someone's photos, like I'm looking at the, I have wood prints on my wall. And I'm like thinking, oh my gosh, I can't imagine if the photographer's logo was on these. It would just like ruin <laughs> the photos. Exactly. You know? So yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I've had people ask me to put the logo so they can promote me, and I say no, I don't. I just don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just I don't want my yeah. There's other ways that we can be promoted, and we can ask exactly. them to credit us. You know, you know, oh, if you don't mind, when you, if you post these on social media, will you tag me? Because I get so many of my clients through referrals and I just really appreciate it. People do it nine out of 10 times, 99 out of a hundred times they've credited me for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate talking with you. I, I kind of want to like be you when I grow up <laughs> this whole <laughs> retirement where it's like, I know you had said that you had kind of break your life down into thirds 
where you do a third of the time is your consulting business, a third of the time is your photography business, and a third of the time you're enjoying life in retirement. And I just think that's so cool. Well, it, it is cool. and I, I'm grateful to be able to do that, but it's not easy. I, I, you know, I'd like to go back if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. As I transitioned, you know, being in a, you can imagine 30 years of, of working in a high stress environment, very senior in a, in a huge organization. And to go from that to something completely different overnight, it's not an easy thing to deal with. And I'd like to share with you a little bit of the thought process in that transition, because I find it was important for me to figure out how to transition into it and be able to to do it in a way that doesn't you know, sure. create any stress. Or, Please share. Yeah. And one of the things that I struggled with is after I left and I started getting serious with photography, uh, I, I didn't get that struggle with the consulting because it was kind of related to what I've done for 30 years. So the, the, But going from a, let's call it a, a corporate executive to a photographer, I struggled with my identity as such. So if somebody says, what do you do? I had a hard time saying, I'm a photographer, mm-hmm. right? You, you have this label that you've built for yourself for many, many, many years, whatever it is. You know, I'm, I'm an engineer, I'm a, I'm a vice president, I'm a business person, whatever it is, you build this label and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden you have to say, well, I'm a photographer. Mm-hmm. And I went through a lot of uh, thought process about that and came to a, a conclusion that I'm happy with and, and, and I moved on since then. The last few years at my work were very tough and I wasn't getting that that satisfaction or that joy. It's not that I didn't like my job. I liked what I do, but there was something missing and, and it was tough years. And it got to a point where, you know, in parallel, I had I was renting that studio downtown and I was shooting every weekend and I was shooting sometimes in the evenings. And it got to a point where I, I actually enjoyed sweeping the floor of the studio more than a job where I had a dream, you know, what other people may call a dream job. I got more satisfaction out of it, more joy out of it. Hmm. And I had to figure out why, like, why I'm getting, why am I getting that feeling? And, and I, and I realized that, you know, basically as human beings, we're always seeking that feeling of satisfaction or joy, right? And until we find it, we kind of feel out of balance. It's like something is missing and we're always trying to find it. Mm-hmm. And I realized that while I was doing my work for 30 years, what gave me joy is not necessarily the obvious thing. It wasn't my job. It wasn't my position. It wasn't my title. It wasn't my performance as an executive. Yes, I had to do those and I did them relatively well, but that's not what gave me joy. At the end of the day, what made me feel good is when I felt like I had a positive impact on someone, on the employees, on a colleague. Mm-hmm. They'd come into my office. I had an open door. A lot of people come into my office. We chat together, whether it's about work, about personal things, wh- whatever it is. And then they just leave the room feeling better about themselves. Those are the moments that give me real joy. And I had to realize that that's really my identity, that that's what, that's, that's what I should associate myself with. And what the, the important thing is, photography gave me that same feeling. Right. So when you're dealing with people and when they leave the experience feeling better about themselves, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. gave me joy. So I was able to say it's not about what you do. You know, your brain doesn't really care where it gets that feeling. Right. Your brain only cares that you have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. One thing I advise is, is it's not the obvious thing that may be giving you joy. You have to dig deeper and find out what is the actual action or context or environment mm-hmm. that gives me joy. And you can find it in almost in multiple things. It doesn't have to be whatever you're stuck doing. Mm-hmm. So that I went through that process and it just kind of a, a weight lifted off my shoulder of not being able to identify as a photographer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are some wise words, very wise words. Did you ever think like when, think back to when you're working this, the nine to five, or I'm sure it was way longer days than nine to five, but <laughs> yeah. as a top exec and that sort of thing, did you ever you know, five years into that career or something, did you ever see yourself, you know, leaving it and just doing something completely different like this? Not at all. As I said, I had, you know, usually people have hobbies and then they go biking on the weekend and they climb mountains. And I had not, I mean, I had no hobbies. Mm -hmm. I was just working Mm -hmm. and taking care of my family. So it was never even on my radar screen. Wow. Wow. I never even thought I'd leave. But then that, that starting to do photography and getting into the studio, it kind of started, you know, that fire. Mm -hmm. It started Mm -hmm. that, that feeling that there may be something else. And, you know, we get older, we, we mature. It's all part of, part yeah, of life, obviously. Yeah, it's so true. It's, not, uh, it's true. We grow and evolve constantly. And I'm really happy that you evolved into a photographer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this is, this is very cool. I'm excited for you to 
continue the growth with your maternity shoots and boudoir shoots and everything once you're able to again. I'm, I'm really, really excited for you. Yeah, well, well, it's another reboot. It's just we have to restart somehow mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and yeah. get into it as fast as possible. Uh, in the meantime, just uh, I'm spending my time honing my skills, uh, working on some content, producing you know, PDFs, and just mm-hmm. doing things that I can do now that I'm working less. And marketing material, uh, thinking about pricing. Is it time to raise the prices? Do I package things differently? So I'm spending time on that. I'm spending time being creative. I'm, I'm getting into composite photo, you know, compositing photos, compositing mm-hmm. images. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love, I love retouching. I love Photoshop, and I, and I just I'm always honing my skills there. Not necessarily because I'm a photographer. It's just something I, I like to do. And proud to say that just recently I became an associate photographer with the Portrait Masters. Oh, so, yay! Congrats! Yay. That's fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Very thank cool. You. Yeah, so I've I've entered not I think the, the last three contests. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just send my my photo shoot pictures. My I don't really send uh, do anything special. It's just that's the work I do, mm-hmm. and my goal is 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 to become an associate photographer. So. It's more about the consistent work. Awesome. And I'm very happy for that because that was a valuable experience. And I'm totally amazed by the talent in the group when you look at where we are today yeah. compared to even the, you know, the first contest or the... Very cool. So now you're on our Find an Accredited Photographer page on the Portrait Master site. Proud to be. Over in Montreal. Very cool. Thank you and everybody else that's involved with that. You do a great job. And Bassam, you are cancer-free now, you said? Is that right? That's what they call it, okay, yes. Good, 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 good. <laughs> When cancer is one of those things that's always on your mind, no matter what, once you go through it. But uh, yeah, essentially I am. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we are at that point where I get to ask you the questions at the end that I always ask our guests. So number one is what's something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? Well, I talked about it a little bit earlier, but recently I've really gotten used to having my wife around with me. (laughs) You know, she takes care of the outfits, points out things that I may have missed. She takes care of things in the background so I can focus on the shoot. As I said, she's starting to take behind the scene videos. So overall, having her with me is becoming part of what I do. And and it just makes it a better product overall. That's wonderful. Maybe I should switch the question to instead, what is something or someone you can't live without when you're (laughs) doing a photo shoot? Yeah. 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 Very cool. Yeah. Okay, number two, how do you spend your time, although you've kind of shared a little bit, but how do you spend your time when you're not working? Well, I'm still the guy that doesn't have a lot of hobbies and and things, but I'm a very curious person. So I'm always learning about things when I'm not shooting or working on my consulting. I spend most of my time learning about subjects that can help my consulting, help, help my photography, not necessarily directly to photography. Uh, you know, I guess I said, honing my, my skills, my Photoshop skills, uh, and a lot of time with family and friends and just simply enjoying being empty nesters. Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. Okay. And what is your favorite inspirational quote? Inspirational quotes. I actually have two. One of them, one of them I've actually heard on one of your podcasts. It's from Maya Angelou, where she says, I've learned that I've uh, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Ah, mm, uh, goosebumps! I, every time I hear that quote, it's so true. It's so true. It is so true. So, so that's that's one of my favorite. But then I have another one that's more that will ring a bell with most creatives it, from Marcel Proust, and he says, "The real voyage of discovery consists not of seeking new landscapes, but having new eyes." Mm, yes. Yes, yes. That is a good one. I've never heard that one, actually, but I really love it. There's many good quotes, but those kind of stand out for me. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Bassam. Where can people find you if they're looking for you online? Well, that's where I'm a little bit disorganized, but essentially the best way to find me is on my website and on my Instagram. So my website is curiousphoto.com, and that's curious with a K. Mm-hmm. And my Instagram, I have two accounts. One is under Bassam Sabag Photography. And the other one is Curious Boudoir. Will you spell your name for people? It's uh, B-A-S-S-A-M. And then the last name is S-A-B-B-A-G-H. Okay, great. And then Curious with a K for your Instagram. Curious is my, my brand name. It's, I have two Instagram accounts. On Facebook, I mainly I have pages, uh, business pages, but I, I'm not very active. I'm, I'm active on my personal profile under my name. Okay, great. And... What would you say to people who are just getting started? I totally skipped that question. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. 
Well, I, I think I talked a little bit about, there's two things really, but the most important one is, is the fundamentals. Figure out what the fundamentals are and don't skip, don't skip the fundamentals. You know, people want to do business. You have to figure out what makes you successful in a business and you just have to do it. It's, you know, sometimes we have reasons to skip. Well, I can't afford that or I can't afford this or, you know, mm-hmm. just do the fundamentals right. Everything else is gravy. But the other thing is it helps if you learn the art of figuring things out. You're on your own. You're starting a new business. There's so much information out there. It's easy to get lost in information and take things literally, you know, mm-hmm. things like, you know, what lens do you use to take pictures outside? Well, there is no answer to that question. It's not what lens you use to take a picture outside. Try to figure things out. What kind of effect do you want? And are there lenses that give you that effect? So it's more about the art of figuring things out and doing things on your own. And obviously you need to reach out to professionals, but there's so many opinions out there. You just have to, mm-hmm. to be able to figure out and, and make it sense for yourself. Learn the art of figuring things out. Work it out. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. Exactly. Sue says that sometimes, like, you just have to find a way to work it out. And it's so true. So true. And last question for you. What's next for you? Well, I think I'm on the on the right trajectory. Uh, obviously, re- restarting after the slowdown, I would like to bring my photography to four shoots a month. So one, one a week. That would be, mm-hmm. for me, a very good income and enough work that leaves me time to do my consulting, mm-hmm. which I also enjoy. But if it was up to me and I can have, you know, the same income overall, I, I would do photography over consulting simply because it gives me a lot more joy. So that's my goal is, is build it up to three to four shoots a, a month and also find a way to get rid of my obsession with retouching. Yes, we need to get you past that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. It's really great. And and I just, I love your outlook on things and yeah, I'm really proud of you. Well, thank you very much. And I really appreciate uh, being on the, on the podcast and I wish you luck with all of them. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I will see you online soon, I'm sure. <laughs> and hopefully at the Portrait Masters, if we're, if we're able to, if not exactly. 2021. <laughs> exactly. Hope, hopefully we'll see you there. All right. You take care. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today to the Portrait System Podcast. If you like what you heard, we would really love for you to leave us a five-star review either on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And I really, really want to encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com. Over there, you can find all of the education you need to become a successful photographer. It's only $35 and there are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 12-week startup program that I love. And there are posing downloads, lighting downloads. I mean, truly everything to help make you not only a better photographer, but to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com.